When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. A factual data creation facility production. Welcome to the OFNT podcast, episode 204, which I'm calling Death of a Bard. Yeah, Google has dropped the Bard moniker for the company's version of an AI chatbot and renamed it Gemini. I kind of like the Bard name, but Gemini sounds more futuristic, I guess. What do you think about this name change? Do you really even care? No. Well, it's Super Bowl Sunday here in the States, and it's the day that excuses excess drinking of alcohol, eating of junk food, and other bad behavior. Myself, I have no pony in the race, so I'm uninterested. Should I just get on with the show now? Yes! Yes! All righty then. Tech News. Well, let's just get the giant fruit company stuff out of the way first. From Digital Trends comes the headline, Apple's new iPad Pro may not be as expensive as feared. Well, I really wasn't fearful of the rumored prices of the new iPad Pros, were you? No! I just resolved to myself never to buy an iPad Pro for those insane prices, which were $1,500 for an 11-inch iPad Pro and $1,800 for the 12.9-inch model. According to the article, the new prices are speculated to increase by no more than $160, which is still too much if you ask me, but then again, no one is actually asking me. (laughs) Little is known at this point about these new tablets besides them getting the new M3 Apple Silicon chip and OLED displays. There's been conjecture, and that's all it really is, that the new Pros will have glass backs. What? Which would allow wireless charging. Something the Apple tech dudes think would be wonderful for some reason. The glass backs would be prone to breakage in my opinion, so I don't see the advantage of that material versus the aluminum backs they're currently equipped with. Then again, Apple would make money having to repair these things, or at least make bank on consumers buying Apple Care warranty programs for them. Maybe Apple floated the huge price increases to see how the public would react to them. I'm sure most reacted like I did, swearing to never buy another Pro model iPad again. We'll just have to wait and see what Apple actually does when they have their event for these things, which is supposedly real soon now. 
Thanks to companies like Samsung, Motorola, and others, we're all familiar with foldable screen phones, aren't we? Yes. It seems the next frontier in regards to phone screens is not foldable, but phones with rollable screens. What? A company named Techno is planning to release such a phone this very year, equipped with a rollable screen. This info comes from Digital Trends again. You know, why don't these companies perfect the now plain old foldable screens first? Yeah, this so-called rollable screen thing will spur innovation. Blah, blah, blah. But ask yourself, do we really need such a thing? Especially when it's released in a half-baked condition. I don't know how reliable this info is, being that it's from Digital Trends, which has been known to stretch facts a bit when it's a slow tech news day or month or year or century. Google Assistant just got supercharged with AI. It might be the biggest update in Google's history. That's the overexcited headline from Gizmodo.com. Yes, Google beat the competition in equipping its digital assistant with AI. And props to Google for not charging you in the form of a subscription for this upgrade. Something Amazon plans on doing. I already told you about the name change of the Big G's AI chatbot. Changing the name to Gemini from Bard. You'll still have to summon Google's digital assistant by the usual Hey Google command to interact with the Gemini chatbot. You'll have to ask the assistant to bring Gemini up. If you want a more powerful version of Gemini, you'll have to pony up 20 bucks a month for a subscription to Gemini Ultra. I'd wager that once Gemini is completely integrated into the Google Digital Assistant, the Hey Google activation command will go away. There's also a Gemini mobile app for both iOS and Android. I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't just a little jealous of Google's Assistant users already having a shot at messing around with a talkative AI ahead of us Alexa users. I even considered dusting off one of my son's Google Minis acquired when he used to purchase Pixel phones. They were giving them away at that time. I wonder when these chatbots saturate all digital assistants and you combine that with Apple's Vision Pro and competitors' versions become commonplace. What will become of our future generations? It appears to me that we are heading towards a culture of isolation. Want to talk? Well, you can just have a talk with the digital assistants of your choice at any time. And if you feel like seeing the outside world, just put on your VR headset and go anywhere you want. Virtually, of course. Perhaps that's the master plan those of elite status have in store for us. No. To loosely quote a now-deleted video released by our friends over at the World Economic Forum, you'll own nothing and be happy. Pretty dystopian, isn't it? Yes. This next headline from Engadget hits home for me. Ring's cheapest subscription plan is going up by $10 a year, it reads. From the article, quote, Amazon's Ring is raising the price of its cheapest basic subscription, following similar bumps by Google and others. The company said in a fax seen by The Verge, as of March 11th, it's going from $4 to $5 per month, or $40 to $50 a year, an increase of some 25%, unquote. This basic plan covers just one camera, so luckily, I subscribe to the Ring Protect Plus plan because I have many, too many Ring cameras around my property. The reason that I do is because, if you haven't noticed, we're in the middle of a government-induced crime wave. Come on, man. So, you just know an increase in price for the plan I do have is right around the corner. Though the article cites Google for recently raising the price of their Nest Aware plan, the company's plan is still cheaper than Amazon's Ring plans. These constant rate hikes are driving me to consider alternatives, 
something like an old-styled wired system in which you have the video storage console right within your own house. Or I could switch to Apple's HomeKit-compatible security cameras. The monitoring fees would be part of an iCloud Plus account, of which I already subscribe to. What would a week be without some more tech industry job redundancies? This time it's over at the company Snap, owners of Snapchat. An app I've always failed to see the utility of, no matter how many times I tried to use it. Back when some still fondly referred to as... The Day. WSPA.com reports with the following headline. Snap, owner of Snapchat, is laying off about 10% of its global workforce. That 10% amounts to some 350 souls who'll now be collecting unemployment benefits, if they're eligible, that is. This is more evidence that the social media platform market is indeed oversaturated. I'm just waiting for the communist-controlled and odious TikTok platform to self-implode. If that ever happens, I'd even consider cracking open an alcoholic beverage in order to celebrate the event. Tech I'm using. If you've been listening to this podcast a while, then you've heard me complain about how Apple's weather app is but a shadow of the old Dark Sky app, which they bought and supposedly incorporated into their own app. This got me poking around the app store looking for an app similar to the now-defunct Dark Sky. I decided to try Carrot Weather and duly paid for a yearly subscription. The Carrot app does indeed harken back to the Dark Sky app, and so far gives better forecasts of precipitation occurrences than Apple Weather ever did. But still, not as well as Dark Sky did. What's missing is the Wayback Machine feature of Dark Sky. That feature let you punch in any day of the past, and as long as a record was kept of the weather on that day, you can see what it was. The subscription price for Carrot is somewhat expensive, 30 bucks per year. So there's that. I don't think I'll be renewing next year, though. Carrot uses Forca Weather for its source, so... I'm trying Forka's own app out at the same time. Forka's subscription price is a mere $3.49 per year. Although the app is not as feature-packed as Carrot, what I'm really after is the precise location precipitation alerts I miss from Dark Sky so much. If Forka can deliver these alerts at the same level or better than Carrot, well, you know which one I'll be keeping for certain. Of course, since I've installed these apps, the continuous rain we've been experiencing in the area where I reside anyway have given way to cloudless, sun-drenched days. I guess I'll have to wait for some bad weather to make its way here before I can properly test these weather apps. I've just taken advantage of a free trial of an old app I used and loved back during my work days. That app would be Spotify. What? Which I jettisoned over a year ago. Back when I used Spotify, it was miles ahead of Apple Music. Spotify had a better music catalog at the time. I also was into having just one app for all my music and podcasts. I preferred Spotify's music catalog over that of Apple Music because like other music streaming services here in the United States, it's US-centric. Go figure. And of course, they would be. I had the good fortune of spending many of my musical formulation years outside of the US, thanks to my military service. My taste in music runs more towards European-centric, mostly UK influences. Spotify carried many bands I enjoyed who never made it big in this country, while its competitors didn't. My initial subscription to Spotify was born from the ashes of the old Nokia music service, which morphed into Microsoft Music. When Windows Phone died, so did those services. 
After about a week of using both Apple and Spotify, I can say that Apple Music has caught up with, and in some areas, one in particular, has surpassed Spotify. That would be spatial audio. When Apple first introduced spatial audio, I didn't think it would be a big deal. Well, it is. I found that spatial audio is better. So much better that I can't just go back to the regular streams of Spotify. Apple Music's catalog has expanded, and I can now find every artist I can think of within it. Spotify was supposed to launch its own version of spatial audio, but so far, it hasn't. I won't be paying for a subscription to Spotify once the free trial period expires. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. Entertainment news. New sports streaming service aimed at 60 million cord nevers is the headline from digitaltrends.com. It appears Fox Corporation wants to get back in the streaming game with a new sports-centered streaming service and sell it to those cord nevers. Huh? Cord nevers are described as young people who don't currently subscribe to anything, not cable or any existing streaming service. I wonder if the brass over at Fox ever asked himself why this is so. No. Fox CEO Lackland stated, quote, If you look at the American market, it's roughly, say, 125 million households in America, and roughly half of those are not within the traditional bundle, the cable ecosystem. And so the target for this, which is going to be, I think, incredibly innovative when you see it roll out, is really that universe of, call it, 60 million-odd households that currently don't participate in the bundled cable and pay television ecosystem, unquote. The sports bundle would include the assets of ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers Discovery. There was no mention of the regional sports networks, though, nor team networks like the Yankees Entertainment and Sports Network or Yes Network, for example. 
The S Network is the only way to watch non-nationally broadcasted New York Yankees game. And it's the only reason why I subscribe to the DirecTV stream service. DirecTV is the only streaming service which carries the regional and team sport networks. I pay a lot more for DirecTV stream than I would with, let's say, YouTube TV. If these networks aren't included in this product, then this new service is a non-starter. Also, these dang youngsters can figure out a way to find these sporting events on that newfangled internet thing and don't have to pay a penny to watch it. Trust me, I've seen it done. Yes. And why do you think these kids are court nevers anyway? The never stands for never paying for most things that they consume, including sports. Last week, I decided to check out Amazon Prime's video service to see if ads had made it onto my subscription. The answer is no, but my Prime subscription renews in March, and that's when I expect those pesky ads to start showing up. Anyway, I saw that Prime had a new original television series called Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Loosely, and I mean very loosely, based on the Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie vehicle from way back in 2005. My lovely wife and I actually saw that movie in a real-life movie theater when it was first released. We'd enjoyed it, so I thought I'd give Amazon's interpretation a shot. I lasted about five minutes before I gave up on it. The pilot episode's first scene was pretty good, and I thought to myself that I might enjoy this series. That is until the lead actress makes her initial appearance, being interviewed by some sort of machine. The actress herself is of mixed race, Asian and Caucasian, and when the machine asks her what ethnicity she is, she says Japanese, then pauses and adds, and Scottish. She then looks down towards her feet and says, embarrassingly, white, I guess, like that's a bad thing. She then looks back up to the camera, seemingly ashamed of this admission. Well, it was right at that moment I backed out of the show and I will never return to it. Not five minutes in and they're already starting with the white people are bad thing. In this case, it was just an inference, but that was enough for me. I'm pretty sure the rest of the episodes will manage to drive this particular agenda home, either subtly or not so subtly, and I will no longer tolerate this. To sum up, I think I can see where this series is going, and I don't want to go along for this ride. I'm tired of putting up with this messaging, and Hollywood wonders why they're failing. Update. Last night, the one whom must be obeyed and I watched the movie The Covenant, where we experienced our first ad on the Prime Video service. It was but a 15-second ad right before the beginning of the movie. If this is how Amazon is going to handle ads going forward, well, it will hardly affect viewing content on the service. But why do I have the feeling this will change in the future? I don't, I don't know. Oh, and The Covenant was a good movie, and I don't understand why it sort of flopped in theaters. Maybe people who reside in this country are tired of wars and movies about them. Well, most people. There's a certain subset that claims to be all about peace and love who lean towards favoring war, as long as a particular nation is considered the enemy. These particular people can't be considered part of the modern audience. I think you know who I'm referring to. Paramount Plus has a new original series imported from the UK that I'm kind of enjoying. Like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, it's based on a movie released back in 2000. Unlike Mr. and Mrs. Smith, there's no apparent messaging going on or any white shaming involved. Just a story about a particular crew of criminals set in 1990s London. Now this is how it's done. Good story, great character development, which is obviously the result of good writers with real life experience. Exactly the opposite of what the U.S.-based entertainment industry seems to be churning out over and over again. 
Another series I'm interested in is Season 2 of the series Halo, based on the old video game. Halo is also a Paramount Plus original. There's been a pushback from the gamer crowd on this program, but I'll decide if it's warranted as I watch it. The first season was slammed also, but I didn't mind watching it that much. The season wasn't great, but hey, it wasn't bad either compared to what else is out there. Podcast news. Details of Spotify's new deal with Joe Rogan have come out. And I must say, they mostly redeem my prediction of Mr. Rogan taking the show independent. Yes, Spotify has agreed to hand over 250 million smacky bucks to him, but that only gives the company distribution and advertising rights for the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. Meaning, Spotify will provide hosting and advertising services, read ad inserts for the podcast going forward. The JRE will be distributed via the open RSS feed standard, which makes it available wherever you get your podcasts, as my fellow show hosts like to say. Even the video portion of Joe Rogan's show will be on YouTube and not just Spotify. Basically, Rogan's podcast is independent and not exclusive to any one platform. Yay! That means my prediction that Joe Rogan would take his podcast independent was mostly correct. And I'll take that as a win anytime. <laughs> This development follows the similar treatment of the Call Her Daddy podcast being cut loose from Spotify just before this current announcement about Rogan's show. That podcast video portion will still remain a Spotify exclusive, though, with the company still maintaining hosting and ad rights. But the audio will be released via RSS. No information was available on any payment from Spotify for those rights, though. I do know it wouldn't be anything close to the $250 million Joe Rogan got. The Call Her Daddy podcast was paid $60 million for their original contract. It's not nearly as popular as the juggernaut that is the Joe Rogan experience. In fact, I doubt Spotify even made their initial investment in the Call Her Daddy podcast back. Well, you win some and you lose some. In a past episode, I reported that the Apple Podcast app was going to start providing a transcript of all podcast episodes on its index. Well, iOS 17.4 beta is here, and I can report that podcast transcription is live. And they're pretty good. Some words of the last episode of the OFNT podcast were transcribed wrong, but this is probably due to my mispronunciation of those words, as I fight off acquiring the accent of my local fellow citizens. That accent creeps in sometimes. I just can't help it. It's great that Apple has done this, but it probably wasn't that hard to implement because we all know Apple is scanning all of the podcasts they carry on their index for things a company would deem inappropriate. Read, not the correct political views, etc. Other government-funded entities have popped up to do the same for other indexes. All in preparation for the day the powers that be decide to clamp down. Far-fetched? Maybe. Maybe not. Time will tell. If only Apple would have a change of heart and incorporate the features of Podcasting 2.0 into their podcast listening app. Eh, baby steps. If you're not on the iOS beta program, you can expect podcast transcriptions to show up for you when Apple releases the public version of iOS 17.4, probably in a couple of weeks or maybe earlier. I actually have a rant this week. Maybe it's because of my age demographic or perhaps it's just me. But when I'm dining, especially when I'm dining out, I prefer a quiet experience. Unfortunately, finding an affordable place to eat with a quiet atmosphere is near impossible. Well, it is for me anyway. 
While passing a restaurant near us while traveling, my wife always noticed that the place appeared to be packed. She reasoned that it must be a great place to eat for it to be getting so much business. Well, last Wednesday, we loaded ourselves into the car and went to the place for lunch. Yeah, the parking lot was full, causing us to have to park in an adjacent lot. We noticed that the restaurant was attached to a strip mall which featured a variety of stores, but was dominated by an aquatic center, of all things. When we entered the restaurant, we saw that, while not empty, it was far from full. It was laid out just like a standard bar and grill type place, you know, a large bar on one side and various types of seating arrangements scattered around the rest of the space. We were seated promptly and given two menus, one for food, the other for a huge selection of beer. Though there was ample seating available, we were placed near a table consisting of eight people, most female. The first thing I noticed was the loud 70s disco music playing over the restaurant sound system. The guests at the table next to us were consuming alcoholic beverages. It appeared to be vodka, and they were just having a grand old time. Because the music was so loud and probably influenced by the alcohol, you think, the party at the table were speaking and laughing loudly, loudly enough to be disturbing us. After getting over the shock of the prices of the menu, my wife and I ordered one of the cheapest meals to be had, and that was a Reuben sandwich with a side of coleslaw. That and two soft drinks set us back some $60, not including tip. What? Because of the elevated noise level, we finished just half of our meal and got a takeout box for the rest. The food was good, well, not for the price we paid, but the whole experience made us decide to not come back to the place. The crowded parking lot we always witnessed was due to the strip mall, and I predict the restaurant most likely won't stay in business. But then again, what do I know? This all reminded me of a restaurant chain that had a brief period of popularity back in the mid-1970s. It was out of California and was named Farrell's. It was basically a Friendly's type of restaurant. Like Friendly's, Farrell's focused on ice cream and served light meals. You know, like grilled cheese sandwiches, kind of stuff like that, and soups. The big difference between them was that Farrell had challenges. If you were able to finish consuming large amounts of ice cream, well, you'd be awarded a ribbon. The problem for me, at least, was that when a guest would order a prize-eligible item, one of the waitstaff would bang a drum loudly and announce, usually at the top of their lungs, that the patron was indeed attempting to eat that item. If the guest did happen to finish the item, again, a drum would beat, silence would go off, and the ribbon was awarded. The chain is nowhere to be found these days. I wonder why. Hmm. Another gimmicky chain restaurant that came and thankfully went was the Rainforest Cafe. This was a place that had you sitting amongst a simulated jungle, which spewed out simulated jungle sounds while you ate. The one time I brought my then young family to eat at the place, we were seated next to a fake gorilla, who would belt out loud fake gorilla noises at various intervals. Mixed with that obnoxious noise were fake thunder noises, fake tiger roars, fake bird noises. You get the picture. The food was unremarkable. I've been in real jungles, and I can tell you, they aren't really as loud as that place was. I really miss the days when you were seated in a nice, quiet place, with the only noise that would gain your attention was the conversation amongst yourself, mixed with the sound of eating utensils hitting plates. The music is playing, which means my bloviating has nearly come to an end. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I somewhat enjoyed making it for you. If you like what you heard, you can make a donation using the link in the show notes. 
Any and all donations will be greatly appreciated. You can always reach me at OFNTPodcast at gmail.com, and that's only if you're so inclined. I'd enjoy hearing from you. I'd enjoy hearing from anybody. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Hey, the Stuper Bowl is on. So why don't you grab some snacks and beer and get off my lawn? Stay skeptical. Um, nope. See ya. Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.